Keep me falsia. Welcome to On Crombie Hop Podcast for July 26, 2023. Hello again. My name's Terrence O'Donnell, and I've returned to your digital village with news from around the world and I ran about something specific I found in the news since we were last together. This once a week podcast is being hosted on rss.com and also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Intunes, Google Podcasts, Deezer, and a few others. I understand that Spotify's raised their prices in Canada now. I'm sorry, um, but hopefully that won't deter you from listening to this. A little about me. I'm a senior citizen activist of virus descent and a self-professed Shahai, a Gaelic storyteller. I want listeners to feel like we're sitting under the village oak tree where I will bring you headlines from news feeds and relevant blog articles about climate change, racism, politics, and social injustice pieces with a teaser about the articles. Each article I give you will have a link to read the piece in its entirety in the follow-up newsletters posted at medium.com, substack.com, and my website at Ankrambiha. This podcast is free to subscribe for all who listen. I haven't changed anything. The purpose of the show is to push people to get up and make a difference in our world before it gets too late to do anything about it. I think we're kind of past that now. We can't change what's already here. All we can do is hunker down and adapt to it. So I do offer the option of donations on the rss.com webpage where this show is hosted to support my activism. Much like passing the hat at the end of my visit to your digital village. As always, I'll be taking a break once I've delivered the headlines to you. During the break, I promote my website, my stories, and articles published online in a short one to two minute clip And it's nothing too fancy, just a bit of a listen. So without any further ado, let me get to this week's headlines. So just to give you an idea, I'm a little under the weather this week, so bear with me. Um, I don't I don't have the a whole lot of stories. I got quite a few. Um, Most of them are climate change, but I got quite a quite a mix for you. And the op-ed is again, it's another kind of a satirical climate climate piece for you here on the second half. My first story came out a week ago from Tom Hartman in his HartmanReport.com. Is it possible for America to be both democratic and fully integrated? The GOP is exploiting the structures in our brains that are rooted deep in our DNA. The wiring that says, I must protect us from them. The wiring that kept humans tribal for 300 millennia. So, I decided to share this. From, I got this on July 17th because it shows us how much our DNA dictates our prejudices and how it's shaping American politics. I decided on, I decided on this today as, a, as, a, as I read an article from The Guardian that came out describing how the state of Alabama is reverting back to its George Wallace roots and doing everything it can to keep the blacks in their place by thumbing their noses at the latest Supreme Court ruling, telling them then to ungerrymander their voting districts. And um, obviously you should read this article because it's pretty good. Next one I have is from Jessica Wildfire. A letter to the man who said, I don't owe you anything. You're welcome. It's a somewhat satirical letter to mankind. She reminds us of the social contract we're supposed to have with one another and all that is starting to fail now in large part due to social media and selfishness. I already know what will happen when it finally breaks down all together. Anarchy and chaos. Lots of dead people. My next one came out of Medium and 
It's from LG Wear, The Black Lens. A teacher's experience with conversion therapy, looking at my students, the research in South Park. And he published this in aninjusticemagazine.com. Here's another example of humans committing atrocities against one another because of their narrow-minded worldviews. Camps to convert gay children back to normal. These are their words. How are these camps any different than the Native American boarding schools, Japanese internment camps, the internment centers on the southern U.S. border, or immigration internment centers in other countries? They aren't. Just a different name for the same things. Isolate those that are deemed different from us and force them to change into us, whatever us is. And this one I got from my Canadian friend, Sam W. The right to life must include the right to eat. If our basic needs are not met, do we really have the right to live? And this is a question that's been asked for thousands of years. Do humans have the right to live or, or is it a privilege given to groups controlled by their rulers? What about a democratic country? Do their people have the right to life or is it a privilege given by the capitalist corporations? It would seem like, especially here in the United States, it's more of a privilege given to us by capitalist corporations. Let's see how that's working out for us. And then she, I got about three articles from her this week. Her next one is entitled Settling Bottled Water is an Epic Dystopian Scam. It's disturbing how callous corporations can really be. And more from Sam W., as I mentioned. Her article about the world's corporations stealing water to resell it is so wrong in so many ways, but money talks louder than the people's voices. The corporate billionaires still don't get it. What happens when a planet runs out of people that are needed to keep them in their luxurious lifestyles? And that's a big question. So what the article talks about is down in South America, water corporations around the world, Canada, America, Europe, are going down there and sucking up all the water and putting it in bottles and reselling it. Meanwhile, the local people down there don't have any water to drink, bathe with, or do anything else with. And the only way they can get water is to buy it back from the people that stole it from them. And that's a, becoming a problem not just in South America, but a few other places as well. So do we have the right to water? Or are we being required to buy it from people who steal it from us? Here she, I, her last article of the week, I just pulled this this morning from her website, worldweary.com. It's entitled Digging into the Ring of Fire. Now, this is strictly a Canadian article, and it's about a Canadian issue. So the Canadian, you know, it talks about how desperate Ontario is for the lithium mining in, on First Nations lands. The premier, Doug Ford, who has always been a butthole for years, and I, I say this because I know this personally, and he's determined to add this ore at any cost, apparently. In this case, he's likely greedy for the personal windfall from the mining company. And trust me, I knowing this guy, because I lived up there, not in Canada, but near the border and having access to Canadian news for several decades, I know this guy. And yes, he's, he's like every American corrupt politician in, in space. And the big thing about it, she talks about the loss of peat sinks, you know, peat carbon sinks in an area of climate change when we need all the help we can get. So think about this. 
all of the wildfires going on up in Canada right now, burning stuff, burning boreal forests and everything else left and right. And these, you know, peat bogs that they have up there go back, you know, thousands of years. They're carbon sinks and we need them desperately. And yet they want to dig them up for lithium and all, all for so somebody can make a profit. My next one, this one is from TomHartmanReport.com. Are GOP governors killing their citizens to protect billionaires, right-wing billionaires, who pay an average income tax of 3.4%, think the world is made up of makers and takers? So what if 45,000 Americans die every year because of this callous attitude? So we're moving ever faster in the direction of the corporations taking over the civilized regions of the world and leaving wastelands for the rest of us to survive in as best as we can. We have seen so many apocalyptical science fiction movies in the past to show us what's coming. The fictional dystopia is becoming a reality show. So any of you who are familiar with some of the old science fiction shows showing dystopian futures of desert wastelands, people running around, fighting each other over scraps of food and water and so on. Well, guess what? We're nearly there now. And the corporations could care less because all these billionaires, they're living in their really air, nice air-conditioned bunkers with all the water and food they can drink, and they're laughing, they're laughing at us, you know, taking more and more. Here's another one from Tom Hartman. Our election police and black people in shackles come into all red states everywhere. Voting rights are essential to maintaining a democracy. Without them, nations quickly devolve into oligarchy and then autocracy. You know, I didn't really put a lot of notes on this because the title pretty much says it itself. What's going on is Florida is famous for everything these days, running around with election police, and he paraded some fraudulent, what he termed fraudulent voters, in shackles in front of TV cameras here a while back and scared everybody in Florida from voting. It's not just Florida. A large majority of the red states are maneuvering and doing everything they can. Alabama was a big one in the news here recently of gerrymandering and so on, thumbing their nose at the government, all kinds of stuff to prevent people from voting. Black people, Latinos, LGBTQ people, whoever, anybody they don't like, they're going to do everything they can to keep them from voting in the elections. And so eventually their goal is for only white, straight people, Christians most likely, um, but I don't think that's going to be that big of an issue. But it's going to be, they want it so that only white, straight, Christian, I say that word, white, straight people can vote. And maybe eventually they may go back to revoking women's rights to votes. I mean, that's something they, they fought hard for in the early 20th century. And maybe the males in this country will take it from them again, like take, taking some of the other things. And now this one is from William Spivey in Medium.com. Florida teaches natural increase instead of forced breeding and rape. The whitewash of history in Florida schools. So here's another one from Florida. You know, it's a good piece giving a detailed rebuttal of the recent Florida education curriculum touted as the best thing in social studies since sliced bread. It's all a lie, but it fits the white narrative that the white voters will go for. Along with the black and Latino voter suppression, this fits in well with the southern states' return to pre-Civil War society. And the big thing about it, 
I don't know, anybody outside this country may not know too much about what's going on, but Florida enacted some laws here recently, changed their educational curriculum so that slavery is now being taught is a good thing for black people and a few other things. Uh, they're, you know, eliminating all of the rape and breeding farms and everything else they had uh, prior to the Civil War and so on and so forth. They don't want to teach that anymore. And it's becoming a problem. And the worst thing is, could other states adapt that? That's what everybody's scared of. Here's another one I picked up from Jessica Wildfire. So it looks like someone's been giving the pandemic goalpost a dive into the excess death figures. So she writes a lot about the COVID pandemic, which contrary to popular belief of what you hear in the news, it's still going strong everywhere, okay? And she's writing a lot about it. She's done a lot of research, got a lot of graphs, so on and so forth. So it looks like the world leaders and the rich are in the world are going to control things and have figured out a way to call the excess humans from the planet. Just let the viruses run free. As long as they have access to quantity health care, let her rip. They only raise a panic when they're in danger, like back in 2019 and early 2020. So it goes back to the wealth gap again. The wealth and billionaires and stuff, they could care less about COVID. They're very well protected. They have all kinds of you know, hygiene equipment and air purifiers and so on and so forth, access to medical and everything else, they don't care. And they don't care about all the poor people who don't have access to all that stuff. So let them die. More, you know, more for them. And as I mentioned in a previous article, more for them until all these poor people finally all die off. And then who's going to take care of them? This next article is an actual news article I picked out of the newspaper. It's from TheGuardian.com, and it's been in several other outlets as well. State of Nebraska, teen, Nebraska teen sentenced to 90 days in jail for bearing a fetus that she aborted. Case watched by advocates as a slew of states moved to restrict abortion access. So here's another example of government anti-abortion going off the charts, causing more harm than good. Multiple incidents in Texas and now Nebraska. She should have been able to have a choice and not end up in jail. Now she's ruined for the rest of her life with a criminal record. So basically, I'll, I'll kind of summarize it a little bit. 23-year-old woman, and she accidentally got pregnant. She couldn't do anything about it in her state and had no way to get out of state to take care of it. Her and her mother got together using Facebook, and that's where the problem came in. They got together using Facebook to talk about it and decided that her mother was going to get the abortion drugs for her. So they aborted the fetus, and it was kind of late term. And, and unfortunately, they buried it. But the worst case for them is they talked about it on Facebook. So somebody ratted on them over there in Nebraska, and the police got a hold of their Facebook accounts by warrant, which they can do. Big Brother's watching you when you're doing your social media. And so here you go. And they arrested her. And put her in jail. And her mother is also going to go to jail. The GOP's vision of an authoritarian American is coming true. Why the descent into autocracy is already happening faster than Americans think. This is from Umar Haik. So Umar uses my previous story as an example of what's coming and, is, and as in Nebraska is already here. If the, GOP take, if the GOP takes complete control of the U.S. Big, bro, big Brother will be watching all of us. And for writers and podcasters like me who dare mention articles like mine, we will end up incarcerated or worse. It's coming. All right. Red states start 
they're going to, you know, they're already starting in some places, as noted in Nebraska and a couple other places. So if you live in these red states, you need to be really, really careful about what you post to people on social media because they are watching you and they will come after you if they don't like what they see on your social media account. I got another article from Tom Hartman here in the last seven days. How democracy dies the first month of the next Trump or GOP presidency. Trump, and this is a quote from Trump here a few days ago. If you fuck around with us, if you do something bad to us, we're going to do things to you that you have never done, that have never been done before. Unquote. So I think Tom Hartman's article is a little bit over the top, but it's not too far from the truth. There are a lot of white people in this country who want total superiority over the government institutions from the top down, especially a bunch of billionaire oligarchs who can afford to fund a fascist coup. I agree with this article in that we need to vote these people out and put the country back together. But is that going to happen? It's not looking too good right now, um, unless the American people really come together here in the next 12 months. I got this one from CBC News. Embassies, unstaffed, military gaps, America's toxic politics spills into foreign affairs. Domestic battles over abortion, LGBTQ issues, stall U.S. military promotions, and diplomatic appointments. So this is from Alexander Panetta in CBC News. The big thing about this is I've mentioned this before with Senator Tuberville from Alabama blocking promotions in, in the DOD and now he's also blocking, you know, this also affects embassy staffing around the world. And because of this embassy staffing, it's causing shortages, it's causing political problems. Uh, countries are starting to look at us like, you know, are you going to do what you say you're going to do? You got nobody here to do it with. And so on and so forth. And the thing about it is he keeps doing this. And, you know, we're, we're going to lose a lot more than just standing with, you know, country head of head of states here's the thing what we have to worry about most is china and north korea they're seeing things and they're noticing things you know obviously these people are scavenging the networks that we you know all of our news networks as much as we are as much as i am with you and it's it's becoming a real problem tuberville needs to let go of this stuff and now i have an environmental article from you from emily atkin in the heated world Environmental warfare is the colonizers' favorite tool. English settlers believed that they were less cruel than their Spanish counterparts because they used nature, not weapons, to decimate enemies. They were wrong. So here's another example of European colonists subverting the environment for capitalism. This book, this book she is talking about, The Nutmeg Curse, just goes to show how bad things were over there when they ran themselves dry they brought their brand of environmental devastation with them to the rest of the world. They're still wreaking havoc to this day, and now the planet is fighting back at the excess expense of the inhabitants. The, the sixth extinction event is upon us. And I'm not the only one saying this. It's all over the news in several places. Um, but basically, you know, kind of let me rehash that a little bit because I kind of chopped it up. What she's talking about here is that the Europeans, before they left Europe, in, this, in the 15th and 16th centuries to get out around the world, devastated their environments over in Europe. They, were, they had plagues, they had you name it, environment was a mess. So they branched out to find new resources, and what did they find? They found the American continents. 
and they found the South Pacific. They found the Southeast Asia region, Southwest Asia region, so on and so forth. They basically went all over the world and brought their form of devastation with them everywhere they went. The English, you know, the English are saying, well, we weren't quite so bad, the Dutch and the English. We weren't quite so bad because we used diseases and things to wipe out the indigenous peoples. We didn't just shoot them. The Spaniards ran around with their guns. They were bad. They were worse than us. You know, dead people are dead people. It doesn't really matter how you make them dead. <laughs> A scientist said her research could help with repatriation. Instead, it destroyed native remains by Mary Houdette's. This, I got a propublica.org. So this is kind of a segue off environment. It's an injustice story. So it goes back to the mid-19th century when white European-American scientists decided they wanted to study Native American remains long buried in the Pueblos of the Southwest. First, they did it without permission. Then they refused to return to sacred remains when the government told them to, to find the government and the tribes with excuses. This is more how the white Europeans think they're so much superior than everyone else and can do anything they please. And it's still going on to this day. Inside the Republican effort to, effort to force millions of farm animals back into cages. This is another one of those kind of environmental social injustice articles I picked up. Decades of progress for animal welfare, welfare are potentially at risk by Kenny Torella and he published this in Vox.com. So it's an, about to, it's an attempt to circumvent what they call the EATS Act, E-A-T-S. Basically throwing your food on hoof or chicken foot back into cages where they live to produce at the whim of farmers. Corporate food growing. With the avian flu decimating whole populations, is that really a good idea? Do you want your pork to come from pigs who never see the light of day from cages that they can barely move in? We had that until we passed laws against it, but now corporate farming is saying, it's too expensive. Oh, woe is me. We aren't making enough profit. Well, that's the big thing. We aren't making enough profit. I say, screw the corporate profits. This is what's gotten us, you know, corporate corporate profits has has gotten us all into this mess we're in right now. We don't need any more of that. A catastrophic flood on California's central coast has plunged already marginalized indigenous farm workers into crisis. Cascading climate disasters and unjust labor and immigration policies leave undocumented farm laborers without a safety net by Lisa Gross. And this one is from InsideClimate.org News. So it's another example of indentured servitude by the Americans on how they don't take care of the so-called essential workers, agricultural workers in this case. Stand by, America. Your food is going to become even more expensive soon. And that's the big thing. We depend on these so-called essential workers, and they're being flooded out and not being taken care of. They're having to go elsewhere, yada, yada, yada. Farms are being flooded out, burned out, you name it. So, yeah, groceries are going to become more expensive everywhere. And not, you know, not to mention countries like India uh, stopping to export rice. People are starting to hoard it. So that's becoming an issue around in places around the world now. Uh, big issue over in Ukraine with Russia trying to uh, blockade the, the ports over there, not letting the grain ships out. And that's that's becoming a big thing. So I got another article here from Jessica Wildfire. I thought we had more time. Thoughts on a historic summer. 
So Miss Wildfire hits it right on target once again. I read the same news article that she mentioned in hers and listened to the accompanying video interview that she mentions in this article. Bottom line, there will be a lot of dead life around the world by 2030. And I say dead life, not just humans. Forget 2050. By 2100, the planet will be so hot and habitable space so limited that wars over resources will decimate the majority of the human race as they scrabble for life. The end of the world as we know it will be upon us. It's painfully obvious that national governments will never agree to do anything in time to hold it all off. Think about this. We just had COP20 and they couldn't agree on anything. They all left and went home because they couldn't agree on anything. And now they're scared about COP28 of being a repeat of the same thing. So what it boils down to is for countries to do any kind of climate mitigation here to get our you know, habitable systems back under control, they want concessions. They want financial concessions. And the oil countries, obviously fossil fuel countries over in the Middle East and, and a few other places are fighting this because they don't want to lose their livelihood. They don't want to lose their gilded palaces over in Saudi Arabia, so on and so forth. So yeah, it's, a, it's going to be a problem and a lot of people are going to die. Now, I'm going to get into another injustice article. Why some black people don't trust the church. Greed, lies, and abuse have taken a toll on us in slavery. And it's past time we get back to the roots of the black church by Vaughn Wright. And this one is in Momentum at Medium.com. So this article takes me back a lot of years as I've witnessed so many religious leaders abusing their offices and not being punished. Catholics notably, but a lot of Protestants and Muslims too. The prophet Jesus exoriates the moneylenders in the Jewish temple according to the Bible. He lived and demanded his disciples do the same. The prophet Muhammad also lived in poverty as, as did Siddhartha Gautama, the Buddha, and many other truly religious leaders. All it takes is a small handful of bad apples to spoil a crop. So I think they should be removed quickly and publicly, prevent others from doing the same, especially after the first complaint, instead of being shuffled off somewhere else to be doing the same thing over and over again, like the Catholics did. The, the article itself talks a lot about these people who, you know, use donations and tithes and all this stuff to fund megachurches, and TV shows, and private jets, and you, you name it. And, you know, it's, a, it's shameful. It really is shameful. I'm hoping these people can get it together because I'm not a Christian, but I, I don't begrudge anybody who wants to be. And they should, be, they, has, they should have the right to live as they want and not be taken advantage of. So this is another one about Christians, sort of. How a Christian transgender man increased his faith by taking the fight over LGBTQ plus rights to religious schools. The federal government directs billions of dollars to religious schools that ban LGBTQ plus students. A pending lawsuit is fighting the odds to challenge that funding by John Fritz Megan Smith in USA Today. So it's an article about one of my pet peeves here in the U.S. We have a constitutional law about the separation of church and state. So why is the federal government funding any of these religious schools at all? Is the U.S. trying to revert back to a Calvinist-run country? Well, to be honest with you, there's a lot of Christian nationalists who would love that. Next one. New federal report on research into sun-demic technologies delivers more questions than answers. 
Some scientists worry that studying how to shade the Earth from some of the sun's heat is a slippery slope toward deployment of solar radiation management without fully understanding the risks. The risks by Bob Berwin in InsideClimate.News. So, you think? From a layman's perspective, I don't see how dimming the sun can be a good thing. You're just asking for more trouble than we already have. Leave nature alone. We've done enough damage as it is. You start screwing around with the sun and you're probably going to have more problems than you already have. So we screwed things enough already. Let it go. And then I have this one. It's a, an environmental it's environmental article here. It could be it could just be that a global catastrophe matters more than a pause in sport by Emma John. And this came from overseas, theguardian.com. The outrage reaction to just stop oil's mild protest says more about us than does about the activists themselves. So it's a kind of an out-of-the-way piece about how these climate activists are trying to disrupt TV sporting events over in Europe. But people could care less about climate change. All they care about is their sports, sports entertainment being disrupted. So what's wrong with humanity when televised, televised cricket matches and golf matches are more important than all of this climate change and global heating and everything else that's going on? The culture of life is also a culture of shame and trauma. Pro-lifers want to turn back to clock on compassion by Amber Fraley and AmberBobamberMedium.com. So this is my last story of the week. It's a good article with some terrible history behind it. As the author notes, we're heading back into the past again, and if we allow the anti-abortionists and Christian pro-lifers have their way. Myself, I am all about body autonomy and pro-choice. It's none of our business what people do behind closed doors. And that goes for anything, whether it's abortion rights or who we sleep with. It doesn't. It's nobody's business, but the government... Well, certain aspects of our government really want to make it their business, which is really bad for things. All right, so that's all I've got for you. I'm going to go to break, and I'll be back in a few minutes to uh, pick up the op-ed. So go get a coffee break. I'm going to get one, and I'll see you in a couple minutes. I want to take this time to bring attention to my website on Crombieha at https colon forward slash forward slash 527.websitex5.me. In this website, I have a blog page where I post copies of my articles, teasers about my books, and a synopsis of the weekly podcast. Here in the website, you can also learn a little more about what Ankara Beha means for a little bit of Irish culture and more about me in general. I also have links to this podcast, my medium and substack pages, an ad page for my books, and a contact page in case someone cares to leave a message. If you like my medium.com and substack.com articles, I have an option at the end of these articles to, and stories to leave a donation to my coffee fund and sign up for a subscription if you want. I also post a weekly newsletter as a follow-up to the podcast every week in both publications. I don't want anyone to feel obligated to financially support my work, which I why I offer everything for free. Medium does ask you to sign up to read the full pieces, though, even though I offer them for free, so just a heads up. Each article I write will be, avail- be available in the blog section of my website if you don't want to sign up for anything. I just don't have all the extra frills that you'll find on medium.com and substack.com or access to all the other great writers there. But at least I give you a choice. If you enjoy reading, there are great choices to find out what you like most and dive in as much as you want. I hope to hear from you, whatever you decide. 
Welcome back to the second half of Alan Krabi Hop Podcast. Ms. Wildfire wrote this a few days ago, but it's a good satirical piece about the American attitudes regarding climate change. In a nutshell, how can we become millionaires by exploiting other people's miseries? She's continually written about COVID, and this is of a bit of a right turn into climate change. As you read this short article, which I'll read to you today, ask yourself, are you ready for the impending apocalypse? At my age, I will miss out on most of it. But for all you young folks, you just better get ready because your plan is getting ready to do all it can to stop all the abuses. We're just getting started now. You think, you think you're hot this summer? Wait for it. Your Mad Max movie world is coming to you, coming to your home within your lifetime. And they're talking about possibly between now and the end of this century. So that's not really that far away. The, the, the threat is for all of those who are 50 years or less in age and your children and grandchildren. The world is going to go through some very serious changes and you're not going to like them. Well, you already don't like them. You don't like what's going on this summer. Well, stand by because this is going to be happening to you pretty much every year from now on. A lot of you are going to die. We are past the point of no return to that ideal Hollywood lifestyle of the rich and famous or the Kardashians, as I like to joke about. Even after their show finished, they're still trying hard to remain relevant to all of their ignorant fans. People like that live in a bubble with the thought that their lifestyle will always keep them living in luxury while the world burns around them. And they're all going to pull it all, put it all out on TikTok and Instagram. This is the appeal to the young and the ignorant who think that if they emulate these media influencers, they will gain that easy, luxury-filled life. I admit that this only applies to a small percentage, but it still sends the wrong message to the poor, disenfranchised people. It's kind of like a scam of sorts, but with all, a whole lot of bells and whistles. So we don't need media influencers, influencers extorting us to buy fancy makeup and clothes. We need influencers to shake everybody loose and work on taking down all these corporations that are stealing our lives, as if us lowly serfs have no meaning to them. They have poisoned our air and our water. They're taking away our food unless you have a lot of money. Here in the U.S., they took away our health care, so more of us without money can die or live very shortened lives. And for what? What's the long-term gain from all of this exploitation? Do you know? So now I'm going to read this article to you. It's entitled, Babe, Wake Up. We poisoned all the kale. We gotta act now by Jessica Wildfire on July 18th. Babe, wake up. Have you read this article in The Guardian? It says almost all the kale contains disturbing levels of P PFAs now. It's like poisoned or something. So I was thinking, what if we opened up a kale bar? We could sell the only kale in the world that hasn't been poisoned yet. We just have to find a way to get the PFAs out. That shouldn't be hard. We have smart friends. We just need to hire them. We'll offer them a stake in the company. Boom. Done. Anyway, never mind. Go back to sleep. Sorry for waking you up. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Don't wait too long, though. we got to act now. Babe, have you heard? It's like 130 degrees Fahrenheit in the Death Valley. All these people are taking selfies down there. But it's like also 110 degrees Fahrenheit in Italy. It's 120 degrees pretty much everywhere these days. Weird, huh? Oh, I have an idea. Let's open a bottle of water stand in Death Valley. I have a feeling it's going to be the next big thing. We could sell those little neck fans, too. Think about all the money we can make. Babe, you look stressed. Have you been reading about climate change again? You know what they say about doom scrolling. And it's not good for your mental health. 
Maybe you should go outside for a little while and touch some grass. You know, connect with nature. Get away from your phone for a little bit. Look at all the beauty in front of you. Starts coughing in quotation marks. Don't, don't those mounds look beautiful? Don't worry about the wildfire smoke. We'll just, just pretend it's mist. It's kind of pretty. Okay, let's go back inside. My eyes are starting to water. Don't worry, it's just allergies. I know, it's July. Babe, did you read this article about crop failures in Belgium? Actually, it might have been China or maybe both. Anyway, I'm starting to think climate change might be real. There was a petition going around a few days ago. I think I'm finally going to sign it. Let's take action. We'll take action just as soon as we get back from our vacation. By the way, did you hear about those climate activists? They're saying we should ban private jets. Can you believe that? I mean, I care about the environment, starts coughing, but geez, that just feels like it's going overboard. There's solutions out there. We don't have to start limiting people's freedoms. I mean, if I were a billionaire, keeps coughing, I wouldn't want the government taxing me and telling me I couldn't have a private jet. I wouldn't want to give up my yachts. I worked really hard for that money and I want to spend it on whatever I want. Oh wait, I'm not a billionaire. I could be though. I still have time. If I were a billionaire, then I wouldn't have to worry about climate change. I could build a giant vacuum cleaner, suck up all the smoke, and then we could blow it out into outer space. Hey, that's a good idea. Maybe I could design a giant vacuum cleaner and sell it to the government for a billion dollars. It wouldn't even have to work that great. It would just have to work good enough to sell it. Then we could go live on Mars. Oh wait, that's not a thing yet. Maybe I don't have to design a giant vacuum cleaner. Maybe I could just design a bunch of little vacuum cleaners and sell them to the people. Special wildfire smoke vacuum cleaners that suck up all the smoke in your yard and blow it up into space. Or maybe just somewhere else, like maybe a smoke landfill that we keep underground. That could work. Or maybe I could just make a video about it and it would go viral and then I could sell something else. So many ideas. Babe, wake up. I've been doing some real heavy soul searching over the last few days. All these scientists keep talking about record-breaking temperatures all over the world. Today it's going to be like this for years. It finally hit me how short-sighted I've been about all this. I mean, why, why open one bottle of water stand in Death Valley when we could open bottled water stands everywhere? And why limit ourselves to bottled water? We could sell iced coffee, too. And ice. Babe, wake up. Have you been reading about these marine heat waves? All the fish are suffocating because they can't breathe. I had no idea fish needed to breathe. That's crazy. Anyway, I was thinking, maybe we should take out a loan, buy a yacht, and then go around and catch up all the dying fish. We could put them in a swimming pool. We could dump a bunch of ice in there to keep them cool. Then we could cook them and sell them. I mean, think about it. If all the fish are dying, then we could be the last seafood restaurant on Earth. That would be pretty cool. That could make us rich. There's nothing morally questionable about it. I mean, maybe a little, but those fish are just going to die anyway. Oh, and we could catch crabs too, and lobsters. I'm getting really excited about this. I mean, the more I read about this, these marine heat waves, the more this looks like a real sure thing. All these fish and crabs and lobsters are totally going to die, and we need to get out there and catch them first. I wonder if we could get Greta to, to mention us on TikTok. Even if she hates a restaurant, we should get the word out. You know what they say. There's no such thing as bad publicity. Obviously, it would be more of a seafood bar. A seafood kale bar. Babe, wake up. Did you pass out from the smoke again? I know it's pretty bad around here. Let's go inside and meditate. Babe, you're looking a little pale. I think you could use a mindfulness retreat soon. I would say let's do one now, but we really need to get working on this last seafood restaurant on Earth. Someone else might be planning one. We've got to act now. So that's the end of the story. 
And that's the end of my episode for you this week and all I brought for you. So the big thing, the big thing about all this is I encourage everybody to wake up. I mean, obviously, it's all over the news, global heating, heat domes, yada, 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 floods, and all kinds of stuff. But it's only going to get worse. I've read tons and tons of articles, in which I do every week, but more so in the last week, um, of the Greenland ice sheet melting more and more and more. And there's, you know, all of the Atlantic seaboards are going to be flooding soon. There's no doubt about it. You know, with everything that's going on in the Pacific right now, we may, you know, there may be some issues over there too. So here's the thing. We're in summer right now in the Northern Hemisphere. And we're going to be transitioning over to winter. So what happens this winter? Are we going to get flooded? Are we going to get massive amounts of rain coming off the Pacific Ocean because of La Nina? Well, you know, I think about that. I mean, right now we're only thinking about today. We're thinking about getting through tomorrow because of the heat domes. Well, we kind of need to think ahead a little bit. What's it going to look like this winter when we transition over? No, we are definitely not out of the woods yet, folks. Definitely no way, shape, or form out of the woods as far as climate change. And as I mentioned, it's only going to get worse. So I'm going to let you go this week, and I hope I've in, in given you some things to think about as you go through. Um, and I hope, to, I hope to talk to you again next week. I would like to thank you for listening to the show today. I hope you enjoyed it and that you'll return again for another episode of On Crom Feel free to share this with your friends and relations. The more the merrier. Each podcast episode will be free and can be found on many different platforms now, although some may have advertisements. Unfortunately, I have no control over that. Search for On Crom podcast or under my name, T-O-D-O-M-H-N-A-I-L-L, in your favorite app. I hope I've achieved my goal in helping you feel like we've been sitting under the village oak tree together during our time together. As a Shahe, I want to continue to travel to your digital village every week to bring you some news from the outside world, or maybe a story or two that may bring you a smile or make you think for a little bit after we part for the day. As I say goodbye this week, I wish to leave you with this Irish blessing as you go about your day. May your troubles be less and your blessings be more, and nothing but happiness come through your door. Schlangafoil, which means goodbye for now in Irish.